Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Chaldean Priest Show. As always, I'm your host, Father Daniel. And before we get started, I just want to remind you to please subscribe, leave a comment, rating on this podcast, and I will be forever thankful. All right, let's get started. Something that I get asked a lot is when Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, so in Matthew 5.28, Jesus says that if you look, so why don't I just read it actually? Okay, because you guys don't want to hear my um, version of it. Um, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so people ask me, they say, okay, Uh, Does he really mean that? Because adultery, I mean, that's a big deal. This is a sin that, I mean, ruins lives, ruins marriages, ruins families, complete destruction in a household. And yes, he does mean that. Jesus means that even if you look at someone lustfully, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. And what's even more damaging than all of this, so... I don't know if anyone has heard of certain uh, situations that have to do with adultery or whatnot, but um, the, the worst part about it is the damage of the soul. And the soul gets utterly stained if someone does look at, and again, this applies for men and women. If you look at another person lustfully, you are committing adultery in your heart, like Jesus is saying, because... So St. Thomas Aquinas, he qualifies this, and he gets this mostly from Aristotle. He talks about how there's nothing in the intellect that is not first in the senses. So through our senses, we receive things in our intellect, and then we're able to process it in that manner. And that's what's happening here. So something that God created us with. So we're rational beings created with a will and an intellect. And if we use this God-given gift of the intellect, the ability to rationalize things, the the ability to build syllogisms in our minds, the ability to abstract, so on and so forth, when we use that in the wrong way, we're going against our nature. It's not in our nature to look at people lustfully and then process that in our intellect. Because when you do that, What's happening is you're using your senses. And what does Aquinas say? He says the things that you are receiving through your senses, and in this case, it's uh, the sense of sight. When you're receiving that, it's going to your intellect. Now, he says uh, something else in uh, the Summa. St. Thomas Aquinas says that sin darkens the intellect. And you see how everything is building on itself. We lose the ability to think critically. We lose the ability to rationalize things when we're allowing ourselves to receive all of this ugliness into our minds. Um, and go figure why it could be hard to start to build a good prayer life and a spirituality while we're still living a life that's receiving things in a sexual way. I mean, if we go back to the fall of Adam and Eve, that was one of the things they were tempted with. The fruit of the tree was a delight. That's what the passage says. A delight to the eyes. 
It was something that was so appealing that the person who was being tempted didn't think twice about the sin because it was so appealing. And I think that's what happens when people do fall into the sin of lust, when they look at someone in a lustful way. What happens is the temptation and the delight that they see in front of them trumps anything else that actually matters. And that is a good conscience and falling into sin and sort of deflecting from God. All of these things matter and we need to take them um, into high consideration in our lives. And another thing, so this begins to be a snowball effect because we, I mean, people spend their entire lives trying to figure out who God is. Theologians, philosophers um, write all of these dissertations, get all of these doctorates and PhDs, um, and all different types of degrees and certificates just to sort of get closer as to who God is and how we're able to know Him. And the majority of the people are not living that lifestyle to um, sort of go after um, getting these degrees and getting into all, all of these theological and philosophical arguments. Most people are, you know, living a regular life, you know, have a job, have a family, and, you know, are just going day by day trying to um, hopefully become better people. But still, we have an obligation to know who God is. And in the Chaldean liturgy, um, it, it sort of ties into this. So, the Basilica hymn from the Chaldean liturgy, um, it qualifies my premise. So it says this, the splendor of the Father who was revealed from the house of David in our humanity has been seen. I'll stop right there. So the Father, the one in whom we see God in the Old Testament, and an example of this is the theophany that happens, God revealing himself in the burning bush, right? And saying, I am who I am to Moses. And then we see all of this other divine intervention throughout all of, um, mostly, all of the Old Testament books. And then, finally, this Basilica hymn is saying, in our humanity has been seen, so then we see him in flesh, the word becoming flesh, as the Gospel of John says. The evangelist says that the word has become flesh and dwelt among us. So now we're able to use our senses to grasp what's happening in reality in front of us. And some might say, okay, I wasn't around 2,000 years ago to see Jesus to see that word made flesh. So how am I able to grasp him in my intellect? Well, Christ didn't leave us with nothing. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He left us something, he left us a memorial so that we can remember him. And that is the blessed sacrament, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. So the Eucharist is able to rejuvenate our minds into being transformed into something much greater than what we see in our day-to-day -day lives. And unfortunately, it's typically Monday through Saturday, right, where most people are tempted the most. 
because typically people only go to church on Sundays. You better go to church on Sundays. Um, don't be a CEO. Uh, Christmas, Easter only. Don't be that person, okay? Um, so it's during those times where, let's say, someone's tempted to lust. So what's happening there, there's a big contradiction because on Sunday, you're receiving the Eucharist. You're using your senses to receive the Eucharist and there's a substantial change in the soul of a person when we receive this grace that's being given to us. And the contradiction is that next day where someone walks past you and you look at them lustfully, you're using those same senses that you did in an evil way, in something that's sinful, which then, again, brings that person back to square one. And something to sort of help with this is, look, let me just make a distinction right now. Being tempted doesn't mean you're sinning, okay? Falling into temptation means that you are sinning. Just because you're tempted with something, if the, if the devil wants to tempt you with something, um, don't, don't freak out, you know, because it's typically when people freak out, that's when they're more prone to falling into sin. But if you're being tempted, you think about your surroundings, you look at reality for what it is, and then you make an active decision that says yes to the good and no to the evil. And a lot of things that, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to sort of tackle this, but one thing is, is to act uh, immediately when you're tempted. So if someone is tempted to lust over someone else, it's, there usually isn't like a deliberation right before that. It's usually an instinctual thing. And because it's that, we're dealing with a different beast. Because it's something that uh, can be, for some people, like second nature, it's good to act quick. If you know yourself, you're weak, and you're on the internet, or you're at the gym, or someone's walking past you, or whatever it may be, and you know you're prone to falling into the sin, then maybe it's good to always be cautious, be on your feet, make it a bigger point to, to sort of keep your head down. Or the second you see something, just you know, swipe away from whatever that is. Um, so that is my sort of another mini episode for today. You guys have probably noticed I've been doing these little mini episodes. I kind of like them. So you're stuck with these for now. Um, but without further ado, why don't we get to the lines then? <laughs> So the recent news that has been happening in San Diego is that there's this new redistricting map which divides the people in El Cajon, the city of El Cajon, and the people of the unincorporated um, El Cajon in Rancho San Diego. And what this new map would do is take the votes from these people and put it to a different district. And this district of central um, San Diego has nothing to do with the values and principles that the people of uh, the Chaldean people, especially in the city of El Cajon and um, in Rancho San Diego. Those people have no business voting for us. And what's been happening is uh, the Chaldean community has been doing this big push to keep Chaldeans together, both in Rancho San Diego and in the city of El Cajon, so that we have the ability to vote 
who we want to make the decisions for our community. And again, the reason why this is so important is because we migrated to America because we're being divided by tyrannical, by a tyrannical government. And we came here and we were accepted with open arms. Uh, we were able to live this American dream. And then now we're seeing this American dream sort of being ripped apart. So uh, that's what's been going on now. Unfortunately, they want to sort of group all and I'll say, quote-unquote, Arabs together, thinking that we're all the same and we all share the same values. That is definitely not the case. And I'll give you one example of how, how absurd that is. I am a Chaldean Catholic. I come from a certain Chaldean village. There are many villages uh, that Chaldeans belong to. By the sound of someone speaking in Aramaic, I could tell what village they're from. Even within Chaldeans, we could distinguish who is from what region. And that's how, so you could see that even within the Chaldean community, there is a distinction, even with speech, you know. And now these people are trying to say that not only does that not matter, but that every person from the Middle East, no matter the religion, no matter the region that they come from, are all the same which is not the case. And um, we'll see what happens. We, there's this big push against this, and um, we're sort of standing up for what is right. And I hope things do work out, really, because it's really important for a community like ours uh, who have gone through so much to stick together. We add a lot of good things to um, the city of El Cajon and the county. We have a lot of working professionals. We bring in a lot of revenue. Um, and uh, many, you know, we have a lot of professionals. Like I said, our Chaldean community is filled with doctors, uh, priests, young priests, and all these people are, are young, right? Young priests, people in law enforcement, uh, engineers, uh, whatever you, th you could think of. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that's my episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, please do not forget to rate this podcast, leave a comment, and to subscribe. But until then, I'll see you next time.